hello everybody hello okay so it is the month of april oh i gotta turn that volume down just making sure we were actually getting there <laughs> all right so oh goodness now my dog is gonna bark Take care of the fur babies. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Taking care of the fur babies is what we said. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I was like, that he has a really, really loud bark. So nobody yes. wants to hear that. So hello, Michelle from Canada. <laughs> I'm uh, just finishing up my dinner. We had soccer game tonight, and. It went long, so oh. <laughs> it was like, like, come on, coach. <laughs> Short pep talk tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So we have a few people that have joined us. And so we're just going to kind of wait a little bit and um, before we jump into everything. But hello, all the rebels out there. I don't know. Yes. If we call y'all rebels or <laughs> the umbrella squad, I don't know. We need a name for y'all. <laughs> we do. We do. We need to come up, put, put it in the comments, suggest. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think it ended in a tie only because they let it go until there was another score. So it should have ended like 10 minutes before and we would have won. Uh, but oh. then it, it tied because they waited for another score. I'm like, really? Ah. <laughs> Yeah, and like three people got injured tonight. It was really, really, really tough game tonight. Oh, my goodness, it sounds savage. <laughs> it was kind of savage tonight. I'm like, and we supposedly are playing this team again uh, on Saturday. And I'm like, ugh. That could be interesting. That yeah. could be interesting. I'm like, you got to be, you got to be, uh, more aggressive told my my youngest my 11 year olds on the team I'm like you gotta be a little bit more aggressive <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> call me a rebel don't need anything more <laughs> yes indeed michelle love it love it <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man okay so we're gonna go ahead we have a few more people that have joined us and we are going to run our intro like we always do so anyone that is new here, you will kind of get a gist of what we're doing here on this podcast. So here we go. Whoops, wrong one. <laughs> Try again. Try again. Okay. Intro, not outro. <laughs> Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult. We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches. Trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. 
Please take care for your safety and well-being while you are listening. If the content becomes too much for you to handle, please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it. I really like that intro music. <laughs> let me let us know in the comments if y'all like it as well. So it took me a while to find it. So um, I'm just checking to make sure that it is. Yep, we're good. It's on Facebook as well. Yay! Very very excited. Um, properly. Yeah. So okay. So the last live. I had said that we were going to do a Duggar update and we completely forgot about it. We did. <laughs> totally. So, all right. I, I don't know where my notes are. I had notes somewhere, but we're just going to go off the cuff of what I remember. Okay. So last month, Duggar's lawyers had asked for a continuance i guess or something to where the sentencing would be delayed and so he is actually his sentencing date is now gonna be may 25th which is my birthday Ah! so i am praying (laughs) that i get a very nice birthday present and he goes to jail for a long 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 time (laughs) hello ashley good to see you so that is, I'm like, oh man, it could, I'm glad, I'm not like happy that it got, you know, delayed, but I'm kind of like, oh, now maybe be a nice little birthday <laughs> present for me. Yeah, happy birthday to me. <laughs> <laughs> Go away to jail, Josh Duggar. So um, from what I understand, the argument, so I, I don't know if anybody else watches her, but um, I watch Emily D. Baker. I really like the way that she just pulls the documents up. She um, goes through it line by line and then kind of gives you her commentary. She's a former uh, district attorney out in California. Um, And so she kind of has the inside scoop on how all these court things go. So I really like to see her perspective and her legal analysis of all of this stuff. So I watch her. And she was saying she was going over the court documents and the filing that the defense attorneys had filed on Josh's behalf was saying that they didn't get a chance to bring a witness um, on his side. Hmm. Basically, like it could have been this other person, but it's kind of already been proven that it wasn't him that was there on those dates. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know stall tactics yeah ridiculousness yeah just i mean you know look if it was me in that in that it wouldn't be me but if it was me (laughs) in that defendant's chair i would want every opportunity to defend my innocence and you know i believe that he has the right to defend it but you know if he still gets you know i mean he was found guilty i don't know what like, I don't know if that was an appeal that they were trying to do. I'm I getting so it, I confused. I thought it was an appeal. It may have been. And then they wanted to appeal. delay the sentencing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how it works. Um, let's see. Ashley says, curious if you were able to find out why the Cabbage Patch dolls were demonic to Gothard. I never 
heard an explanation on the dolls and um why he thought that um we okay i i when cabbage patch dolls were out i was a catholic so i had cabbage patch dolls so but i did have wuzzles i think is what they were yes and they were supposed to be magic uh-huh. And they were supposed to come to life when you were asleep. Yeah. And I used to have some really crazy dreams that my little wuzzles came to life while I was sleeping. And then I would wake up and I would hear tunk on my bed. Like they were <laughs> like they were like trying to like hurry up like Toy Story and, and play yeah. that. Um, I found an article and let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, um, I can tell you what I remember about sure. what I yeah. was taught with them because I was not allowed to have the Cabbage Patch dolls for that exact reason because, you know, I got it when I was five or six years old. Um, so what I was always taught was that, and what he said, was that their names were demonic. So whatever name the company pr- chose to give each doll was demonic. And therefore, you were inviting a, a demon into your house because this doll was, um, you know, g- given this name. And so you're inviting some kind of demonic power into your home. Um, this is pretty, this is, it makes sense with what the basic seminar teaches too, because the basic seminar goes through this whole thing where if you bring anything from another country, like something African into your home, like a tribal mask or something like that, that these were also empowered by demonic um, sources. And so you're bringing it into your home and therefore you had a demonic presence in your house. Um, it could also come through your TV. If there was something demonic on your TV, mm. if you were watching that program, you were allowing demons into your home so that you were encouraged to take them and take these things and burn them in the basic seminar. They told you to take them out and burn them so that you were cleansing your house. Um, and it could be music and it could be pictures and it could be artwork and it could be, you know, it could be anything. So the, the Cabbage Patch doll and other toys like that kind of went along with that, that you were bringing this demon into your home and allowing it access to you. And therefore anything that bad happened to you could have been, that's also the basic seminar thing. Anything bad that was happening to you could be caused by this demonic presence that you had allowed there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the, that's was the concept behind the dolls. Which is funny because my cabbage, no, my brother's cabbage patch doll, his name was Nelson, which is also my father's right? name. And so I'm like, and I'm, while you're sitting there saying that, I'm like, that wasn't a demonic name. Okay. So lightning bug says the cabbage patch dolls were signed by the designer Xavier. I think they thought it was a magic word. Oh, okay. Like. He put a hex upon them with his signature. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there are lots of theories out there and, um, you know, different people are going to have understood it in a different way. However he taught it, but. um. Okay. So this I did, I had looked it up when um, that question was asked either in a comment or on our last live. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to share this article. Yes. Let's get to the research part of it. Well, this this is just like a blog post of somebody else's experience. Um, mm-hmm. And so, can you see it? Let me just check. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me try and... It's a little too small to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, loop, loop. 
That's is that a little bit better? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. So Bill Glother blew the lid off the Cabbage Patch doll, saying they'd been given demonic, satanic, foreign god names, which was allowing Satan to have ground in people's homes, lives, and homes. Um, supportive evidence involved a family whose children woke up with night terrors, which suddenly stopped once the Cabbage Patch dolls were not only removed from their home but ceremoniously burned. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is um, Reflective Mom. So mm-hmm. I really have not looked much more into her. Um, and this was done in uh, 2015. It was her article. So, um, you know. Um, I, will, uh, I have another story about that. So when I was probably 12... I had a little friend down the street that had Cabbage Patch dolls and I was spouting some of these things to her. Her family was not an ATI. They were church going people, but they were not fundamentalists like us. And we were really extreme by that point. Um, and so I was telling her these things about Cabbage Patch dolls. Right. And then, and spouting the rhetoric. And so <laughs> I think that her mother armed her with some stories to rebuttal me later oh. because she was trying to balance out the crazy that I was spouting her daughter, but was very sweet about our friendship. Mm-hmm. And so she came back with a, um, a story that, um, that the cabbage patch doll had saved a little girl. So the, the cabbage patch doll was mm-hmm. like with the little girl in bed and, um, a storm had happened and a tree broke through the roof and everything. And it would have, like killed the little girl if it had not punctured the doll. And so the doll saved the little girl versus being a demonic source. And right. I thinking as a 12 year old, Oh, well, there's another perspective to this. And, uh, you know, really wondering about it, you know, that maybe that, what well, we didn't have all the answers to these things. <laughs> and, right. right. Um, I had a, I had a homemade cabbage patch doll that my mom had a friend, make for me with, and with a uh, like a knockoff cabbage patch looking head and then they made the body and so I had that so I got my cabbage patch doll but yeah because a knockoff isn't going to be evil because it didn't have right because I named it myself right? <laughs> and it was handmade with love <laughs> yeah yeah um okay so Michelle says Harry Potter was a big no, in my family, my mom hosted gatherings to teach about the evil that was trying to undermine their kids with Harry Potter books. I remember oh. when Harry Potter came out, how mm-hmm. it was all, oh, it's evil, it's evil, it's evil. Yes. That's funny. We never, we, we were a little bit too old for the, the, that crowd when Harry Potter came out but as far as young kids. But yes, I do remember that being a big deal. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan now, though. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that. I did that as an adult, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I was trying to... Th- there was... Um, the Lord of the Rings, my dad was really into that. And so, like... Yep. I, I was like, well, if you can't do... If you can't do Harry Potter, how can you do Lord of the Rings? <laughs> and it's I don't... an allegory. <laughs> oh. Gotcha. It's okay if... you if read it's, into it, it's a Christ-like allegory. I mean, to some people, yeah, I don't think so, but you know, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not sure I believe that one e- either. 
No. When I first told my mother that I wanted to read that or that I was going to read it, because I think the movies were coming out about the same time as I was getting out, like maybe four or five months before I got out. And so I was interested in it because I love fantasy. And my mom was like, no, you can't read those. And I'm like, oh, I'm 24. I can do what I want. And so um, I ended up reading, watching the first movie and then reading all three books. On the sly, while in, Mount, in Moscow, Russia for the for the uh, Christmas thing, read it on the plane over there and, and in the bed, in the, you know, after hours. Yeah. After yeah. The Christmas conference thing. <laughs> <laughs> and on the plane home. And I had all three done by the time we were done. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Back in the day when we had time to read, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Those 12 hour plane rides over to Russia to go to the training center over there where that was where the real reading had happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the only time you had to like rest so yes. and yeah. now i'm a huge lord of the rings fan too for the movies and the books i i really like lord of the rings i like i i am not really into like a whole lot of that stuff but when i watched the movies i was like oh man this is good this is yeah good. and I, I mean i enjoy harry potter but I, again it's not really the genre that i like so <laughs> oh, me you know me. <laughs> I, I, mean, I am a true Potterhead. <laughs> I watch all the Marvel stuff with my kids, and you uh -huh. know, we're like, we went a couple years ago. We started. Oh no, when the when the pandemic hit, we were like, okay, let's watch them in order. And so I think we yes. got like halfway through it, and we yes. still haven't finished it. So <laughs> just don't have time. Oh yeah, man. no, I I don't have a whole corner dedicated in my room to you know harry potter or a you no. know, blue powder or a time turner that i just got the other day that a friend brought to me that i was absolutely thrilled about nothing like that you know no nifflers no monster book of monsters yeah <laughs> I, I like i like doctor who like i really got into doctor who i haven't watched it in years though um darnell hello i am so glad i found you live tonight i so enjoy watch watching y'all thank you darnell and welcome we're so glad to have you um uh, let's see i'm sorry i'm a little behind on the chat um let's see lauren excited to make the chat i love you both oh thank you Aww. Um, were there any non-white or interracial families in IBLP? And if so, were they welcomed or was it similar to Bob Jones? They were few and far between. Mm -hmm. They were, uh, there were some. Um, I didn't have a lot of contact with them, so I don't know if they were welcomed or not. There was um, one girl that lived in our house, I think, or no, maybe, maybe she didn't live in our house, but she worked in the kitchen with me um she was okay. a um she was a person of color mm -hmm. um and i believe she may have been from canada um okay. from what i remember um there was a few canadians i know that that worked there at, at the time that i was there too um but i don't ever remember her saying anything to the effect that she never felt welcomed mm -hmm. and she was one of the sweetest people i mean everybody there was super sweet mm -hmm. you know um i never had like any issues with anybody that was there of course because everybody was 
always supposed to be joyful and happy and not complain. So <laughs> was it real or were they really, I mean, I, I mean like everybody that I have still kept in contact with are still very sweet people. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was all fake, but it's like, sometimes you wonder, were they really happy? Were they really or were they just putting on the facade yes and miserable person on the inside you know yeah. so. i know that there were some at headquarters i don't um i don't remember about families family families like when we were growing up in our groups uh, there might have been one and i think it probably would just depend on what church you were in what area you were in kind of how much contact you had with them as far as whether they were open or not um i know mr Gothard um invited people of color to speak at some of the seminars. Okay. I do remember that there was one or two years where he did that. Um, but also I think that I also remember that one being, uh, um, they were, I don't know, something happened and there was a falling out mm. <laughs> between Mr. Goddard and them. I think he said, I think he went a little bit too far in his um, views that were freer than what Mr. Gothard liked. Oh, Okay. Okay. So, um, Michelle says we were allowed Lord of the Rings and Narnia, but no Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> Narnia was another one, and I'm like, yeah, the secret yep. wardrobe, the magic. To Narnia. She she said no Narnia. Nothing with nothing oh, okay. with magic. Nothing with uh yeah nothing with magic. Everything for us in our home, everything was e- evil if it was magic. We couldn't even watch the Fairy Godmother on Cinderella cartoon. That's how bad it was. <laughs> like she would make us turn that part off. Bippity boppity boop. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Just getting over it. <laughs> um, there was another one. Like, I think I remember having a conversation at some point with one of my siblings about books with animal characters that were portrayed as humans or talked like humans. And that was a no-no. And I, w- I kind of blew it off because I thought it was crazy. So, you know. I don't remember that one. I know, I know they didn't like Golden Compass because it was the animals their spirit animals were um, that were connected to them kind of an expression of their soul, but they were mm-hmm. called uh, demons or demons. And so they were, that was obviously not good because they used that word. Okay. P 35 flash. Hey, how you doing? Glad you could join us again. <laughs> um, I've always wondered if anyone got away with boy girl relationships at IBL IBLP headquarters that were not discovered are found out by IBLP leadership. I know you, have a, you have a <laughs> couple stories, don't you? <laughs> I have a couple. But also we're not going to out anybody. <laughs> no, but they were parent sanctioned or the ones that I knew about. At least one. At least one of them that I knew about were parent sanctioned. So the parents were okay with it. But they weren't ready for, to have their kids come home from headquarters yet. So they said it was okay. That was the one I chamfered. But, um, but I know of a couple other that, yeah. Yeah, I, it's several that didn't get by within and got sent home. <laughs> oh, right, right. I mean, and it's like, I mean, like I know a couple people. I mean, I was only there for three months, but I know of two couples that eventually got married, and I know they had to have met about that time that yep. we were all there and possibly seeing each other. So the other thing is, Marcy was saying like a lot of siblings w- would get together if you had um. Uh, sibling group like sisters and brothers yeah. 
they would all get together in a group. And so you could kind of hide it a little bit better yes. in that. Yeah. That there instance. was a subset of, cause there was a subset of us that had sibling sets at headquarters. Mm-hmm. And so we would, we would plan times where all of us would maybe go out to eat with that subset. And mm-hmm. that's how a lot of that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you had a brother and a sister and, and maybe a third sister that was there and we could go hang out in a group and it looked like we were just in a group, but you know, it, <laughs> interest was cultivated. <laughs> um, my brother met his wife at Verity. Michelle says they were sneaky until after graduation. Yes. Oh, yes. good job. Hi, Evie's. Hi, Evie's. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, Ashley says, does Gother teach against vaccinations? Mm, I don't remember that. I, I don't think he particularly that, that I can remember. I don't remember anything coming from him, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of the families were mm-hmm. kind of mixed on that. So it just I think depend- there was publications that might have taught on that, like the parenting mm-hmm. publications that were sold there, not necessarily from him, but that were sold at the seminars. Right. So he kind of, he didn't really make, I don't remember him ever making like a, a opinion on it publicly, mm-hmm. but like kind of left it up to the families to decide, but also promoted possibly, I'm not going to say for sure, but possibly promoted some of the materials. Yeah. So, and sold some of the books. Yeah, definitely sold some books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything to get a buck. Yeah, those massive book things. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Um, so do y'all have any questions for us about, you know, previous episodes where we've talked about, um, you know, our experience in the cult and leaving and, um, I think the last episode that we had go up was kind of my story of how I got out, which was so intertwined into my divorce and stuff. So it was kind of like (laughs) a wavy road into that story. (laughs) So um, let's see what else is going on that. Oh, um, or something else oh man i just had it and then it and then it didn't have anything to do with courtship or oh that episode let, let me pull up the questions that we had um i think it was from some comments let's see oh okay and I don't know how to pull this in right now. So um, I'm just going to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our comments was, were there ever any income disclosure statements? It seems like he was making millions of dollars while having volunteer labor. Um, so I did talk to a friend of mine who is an accountant and kind of asked her, like, how would you go about like looking Um into the finances and basically you have to look into the tax documents and stuff that they filed. And I did kind of do like an overview of the last couple of years. She had sent me a link and if I can find it again, I'll put it in the comments. Um, after this goes, um, after we get off the live, I'll add it to the comments and it kind of showed like 
their income and their expenses and it's kind of like all over the place but in the last couple of years you can see that they've kind of like had a good year had a bad year had a good year had a bad year of um income and a lot of it is from their materials and their homeschool program so um and then conferences and you know because yeah why offer that for free certainly certainly with the free labor that they gained at all their training centers people were paying to come and work there they they weren't even you know uh, quite often you you had to pay to do it (laughs) because it was a ministry so you're paying to do this ministry um so i'm sure i'm sure they you know made money off of that um now some very rarely did you get paid to work for them but in the occasion that you did it was very very small amount of some and um, I think at headquarters, from what I remembered when I first, like the first year I went there, um, you had to work there for a certain amount of months, and you got like a weekly stipend for the the few meals that you you know had to cook yourself that weren't provided. Mm-hmm. It was one meal a day, so all the other meals you had to buy. So you got twenty dollars for a week for food, um, and then um, after a certain amount of time, you could go on. Um, payroll but that was also small um and i think um i think the second time so i was there for a year right and then i went home for a few months and then i returned for the rest of the three years that i was there um and i think when i agreed to return by that time i knew they needed help (laughs) and i had a little bit of understanding about how headquarters worked so i said okay I will come back if you put me in this particular house to live and um, and I have to be on payroll. First thing, I'm not going to work another six months without payroll. Right. And I think they agreed to that. So, okay. Uh-huh. All right. So I've been working there already for a year. I just got home for a few little bit. Yeah. Um, Lightning Bug says, did anyone else burn their albums? My husband and I had a great rock album collection. I regret it so much. Our whole church burned their music. Yep, I sure did. When (laughs) I was 17, um, and I kind of shared this. I don't know if I shared about the burning. I don't remember if we shared that in the episode or not. But when I was 17, I had been living on my own. I was getting ready to go into the Air Force and I wanted to try and repair my relationship with my parents. So I asked to move back in. One of the requirements was to going to the basic seminar, went to the basic seminar, jumped on the bandwagon because I could get my parents approval by then. And um, by doing that, and when I got home, I took all of my CDs Mm -hmm. that I so painstakingly saved up for. Mm-hmm. My Nine Inch Nails, my um, Violent Films, my Metallica, my Pearl Jam, my Soundgarden, all of it. Oh, yes. Ouch. Yes. All in a, I don't know, fire in the back. I don't know if we did it in like a bucket or I don't know what it was in, but yeah, I think there were some books and stuff because I'm like this true crime junkie, if you couldn't tell from our collaboration with Grits with a Side of Murder. <laughs> and I had some like true crime books and like, you know, that was, you know, not acceptable. Freaked yeah. my mom out. So she oh I think she goodness. made me burn those. So oh. um, I never did because I got rid of a few CDs, but I never did because all of that stuff was already cleansed from our house mm, by the time I got old enough to understand right. it anyway. 
Right. Um, I was in the legal department, P35 Flash, uh, and I was the biggest flirt in the world. And somehow <laughs> I got away with it. Maybe because I could sue them out of IBLP. <laughs> I was going to say, legal department, you had, you had some help there. <laughs> well, you also, and I'm, I'm curious about this. I'm, how much dirt did you have on them being in yeah. the legal department? You know, <laughs> did you have any of your own? you know, things you could use against them if they try to do anything. Right. You know? um, the only reason I think that I got away with it was because of the whole disparity between men and women. I mean, to a certain extent, but yeah. I mean, well, here's the other thing. Was she blonde haired? <laughs> Did yes. you flirt with the blondes? Because Mr. Gother could get rid of those. He would have got rid of you in a second if he if he saw you flirting with the blonde ones, because you know you'd you'd be stepping into his territory. <laughs> um, we P thirty five says we always got paid in legal and picked the house we wanted. I think because we knew what the state law said. Yes, I mean, it, yeah. If it all if, depended on the hierarchy of what department you were in, yeah. And it's along with the hierarchy of that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and also what he, what he could keep you from knowing and in the dark about made you more susceptible to his manipulation. Right. So if you're in the legal department, you kind of got a leg up on everybody else because you know, a thing or three, <laughs> you know, um, and you can use it to your advantage. Yeah. Also, yeah. if you if you were the higher there, there was a levels to how like how close you were to Mister Gothard. So if he knew who you were, if you're in a department that that was in good favor at that point or something like that, there was there were ways to get what you wanted if you were that. So if you were like in the kitchen, <laughs> um, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of clout to get the house you wanted or whatever. If you if you had you know if you were somewhere else in that hierarchy then at least that's the way it seemed to work for me that may not have been everyone's experience but that was the sense of what i got when i was there so yeah Uh, and it's you know i think it also had to do with um your susceptibility to being manipulated and his desire to be closer to you so I remember really, really wanting approval and, and really hoping that Mr. Gotha would notice me. And the longer I was there, the more I was grateful I was that I wasn't being noticed. So by the time I left, I was like, oh, yeah, no, you do not want to be noticed. Mm-mm, nope, I'm staying oh. under the radar. Praise God for dark curly hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like curly, curly hair like mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. P35 says I could name names. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we can all name some names. <laughs> but I'm sure you've got some good names you could name. <laughs> oh man. Ah. Oh. So there's a story next episode interview P35 Flash. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, yes, you know. <laughs> Can start off season two. Um, yep. So, yeah, actually, um, we're going to have one more episode for this season after this live. So, next week will be our last episode. Uh, Marky, Marcy's taking some time off to hold on. 
okay? She's like, go ahead. So I'm taking some time off for some family stuff that needs to be handled um, over the next few weeks. And then we will come back with the season two. So... Yeah. So um, if you are in our Facebook group, um, if you are a survivor of the cult, please join us in our Facebook group. And we have a poll up for um, to see what y'all would like us to cover. Um, We I have some I haven't got it together yet, but I have the basic uh, manual, the advanced manual, and I have the um, men's manual volume one and two that I plan to unbound. (laughs) and scan and go through like a fine tooth comb so that's kind of in the works i don't know if it'll be ready for season two or not just depends on how long we have and how much time i have to to dedicate to that and you know reading it and making notes and stuff weren't we going to try to get a hold of wisdom booklets as well um, there is actually digital wisdom booklets on homeschoolers anonymous so okay i I knew, knew you found them somewhere yeah, I um I it's just a matter of having time to I mean we could go through them and just read them and be and respond to them. I mean because I don't know if I have the the wherewithal to like I don't know 52 of them. <laughs> man, we'll be here for years. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that we talked about doing is going through some of the books that um are two of the ones that I know for sure that really influenced my family and my parenting and, you know, my adulting um, was created to be his help me. Yes. And um, to train up a child. And so those were kind of like secondary means to control and abuse. And so, and it really led to a lot of harm in my life, but those two books, Um, so I kind of wanted to go through them and do a read along and talk about it and talk about the teachings and how we feel about them now, (laughs) because I certainly tried to follow them, even though I thought they were absolutely disgusting, (laughs) but I totally failed. (laughs) Oh, let's see. Also, um, P35 says also, if you knew department directors that would vouch for you. That was huge. I was, I was on personal friendship with several department directors. So, you know, I manipulated that. Oh yeah. I mean, you had had to use what you, you could to your own advantage around there. It was all about who you knew. Mm -hmm. And if, whether they were in good standing with Mr. Gothard. (laughs) Yeah. That could change fast too. True. I mean, people felt in favor with him real fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because if you're bu- trying to buck the system, that was the yeah. number one thing that would. Or if he just lost favor. interest in what you were, what you were doing, like he he was real um, wishy washy. He'd he'd get inspired by something, and it would be all about that for a while, and then he would lose interest, and it would go by. A lot of programs died that way. Verity was um, one of those, as far as that's why we got moved from headquarters to Flint because the um, the appeal of it kind of went. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay, I have the vision. Now you go make it work. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. 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 And if you get, if he got frustrated with you in any, even the slightest way, if you wanted to run it somewhere different, and he didn't like it and he could be ridiculous at times. Then yeah, that, that also happened as well. <laughs> P35, by the way, I'm happily married to a blonde 15 years. <laughs> Good 
for you. Good for you. Cheers. <laughs> oh, Michelle says, oh, I know people who still use to train up a child. Ugh. I want to scream at them. I know. So Ew. damaging. <sighs> so, um, so if you don't mind, stop what you're doing right now and hit the like button. And if you can, I'll remove you. Hold on. Um, hit the like button. Go ahead and share because, you know, the more people that see us live, well, the more people will join us. And um, it's about halfway into our broadcast. So guess what time it is? It's time to do the thing we could not do in the cult. And it's dance time. So if I can find the clip, we are going to have a little dance. So come dance with us. Okay. <laughs> um, Marcy, just let me know when you're good to go to come back on. Marcy had to go do uh, something with one of her little girls. So she, um, she had a whatever. I don't know. Can't the words, the words are hard. <laughs> Um, so does anybody else have any questions for Marcy or I about our, you know, time there? Do you have any, um, you know, things that you learned in the cult that you want to talk about or, um, forget about, let's see, oh, forget about the dance. I want the Mercury comment that was in the picture. <laughs> oh. Okay, right. are you good? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that comment is nice, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Okay, so this is another thing that I was thinking about lately um, because I've been listening to another podcast and um, it was kind of interesting to think about it. Um, I don't know if anybody is has ever watched One Tree Hill. Um, if you want to go back in time and like experience all the things you missed <laughs> when you were in the cult. I highly recommend this show. It was pretty cool. Um, they had a lot of music integrated into their show. And that's one of the things I loved about it. But the girls from um, the show, uh, Bethany Joy Lenz, Sophia Bush and Hillary Burton, Morgan, they are doing a podcast and kind of going episode by episode. 
and talking about their experience on the show. And one of the directors that they worked with, I think he was the executive director or something or the show creator, or I don't know. I may have my information wrong, but one of the big wig guys um, was accused of sexual harassment. And so they had a very like um, toxic work environment in some aspects and they were kind of pushing them to do things that they um, didn't want to do. And they had to fight to, you know, not do things that were gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's kind of interesting, you know, to see how it's not just the cults and it's not just the um, religious right that, are gross and disgusting men in it, you know, and are susceptible to sexual harassment and stuff. And it's kind of, you know, I had made a post on my Facebook about um, something to do with, you know, oh, purity culture. It was a, a post about purity culture. And one of my friends was like, you know, it's not just, you know, in that arena, you know, it's like, this has been, you know, the women's fight for a long time. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like women's rights, you know, autonomy as a woman to be respected as a woman has been a fight that, you know, has happened for many, 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 many centuries before us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, I guess it seems like that's such a far gone thought in most people's lives these days and it's just so prevalent in the fundamental churches and in the cults and it's used as a way to manipulate and control people um and so it just seems so much ickier to me i mean it's all icky but it just and and then it's like when i was listening to their podcast they were talking about how that stuff was used to control and manipulate them as women as well. And I'm like, wow, so it really is just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And women just have to fight so hard to like be taken seriously and be respected just about anywhere. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Michelle says learning pop culture by watching 90 shows is my favorite pastime. I forgot about one tree. Hill. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, another one of my favorites is Gilmore girls. A lot of pop culture in that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, P 35. Can you both talk about your experience with how BG did things that were so hypocritical? I used to think about what would happen if I tried to date a girl at headquarters but BG used to stay up all hours of the night. I'm guessing is what it says. Um, well, we did kind of share a story about, you know, um, a concern that we had from one of the girls or actually two of the girls that lived with us. Um, they would go into counseling sessions with Mr. Gothard. Now, I don't remember if there was anyone else in the office area at the time that they were getting counseling. I vaguely remember that there might have been a secretary there, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, sometimes there was, sometimes there wasn't. I, I don't think it was ever um, specifically addressed with us. Yeah. So, um, and 
I always had an uneasy feeling about it. Um, just it was it was very hypocritical because he would tell the staff members not to intermingle and be, you know, it was the whole avoid the appearance of evil thing, right? Like yeah. you don't want to be caught in a room alone with the opposite sex because somebody's gonna think you're having sex. Because if you sit on a couch in the same room, you're obviously having sex. That's the only thing that could happen. It's, it's such a dumb thing. But, you know, it's like, so he, that is a super hypocritical thing that I saw with him was that I was like, that doesn't jive with his teaching. How, how is this okay? Like, I am very concerned for this person. Um, you know, obviously, we don't know if anything ill happened during those sessions. Um you know, I think the only saving grace is that she had dark hair. So I could just only hope that nothing happened to her because she was one of my favorite people and I'd want to kill him. Yeah. I mean, I, I would yeah. want to, just I would never it. do it, but <laughs> <laughs> I would want to harm him for harming my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so in just other things that, I'm trying to think. I was only there for three months, but I'm trying to I, think of other hypocritical um, things. There were so many; it's hard to think of a specific examples. Um, well, the thing with the authority of the parents, and then. Mm -hmm. Him, you know, so many stories of women and girls who were groomed at early ages to come to um, headquarters and basically separated from their parents. And then sometimes even him telling them, well, you're under my authority now. You need my protection. So I'm going to protect you from your parents because they're not they're not godly enough, you know. And so he would manipulate the situation so he was their authority and all of his teachings is to honor, obey, and stay under your parents' authority as an unmarried woman. You know, it's like he almost was like, well, I'll be your father now mm -hmm. because your father isn't worthy. And it's like, well, you tell everybody if your father's not worthy to still obey because God could change them. So that was another hypocritical thing that I, I saw and heard about mostly past you know like after it happened but um it was kind of like it wasn't blatant when i was there but you could tell something was going on with some of the very young girls that were there you know in that aspect so um darnell says sorry to change the subject but i am trying to figure out things out about some things in my past were there large gatherings for teens? I'm thinking around the late 80s. I mean, I I was barely, I wasn't even in it in the late 80s, so I wouldn't know. The late 80s, I don't think that there were large gatherings for teens. Within ATI? Well, yeah, I mean, ATI started in 84, right? Or 82? Right. Like that. But by 89, I, I don't, they might have been able to go to some of the Conferences up until 89, maybe in the 90, were very small. 
they were held mm -hmm. at smaller places. So there really wasn't, I mean, I think that um, they were limited capacity and the parents went. Um, from my understanding, I could be very wrong with this, but um, I don't think it really opened up to a lot of things until uh, they moved to Knoxville, as far as a once a year thing. Um, groups, I never heard of groups like that unless it was your local homeschooling group, but because um, a lot of those ministries that young people could go to didn't start until the 90s. Right, yeah. right. Now, centers didn't start till then. I know he started it as the basic youth conflict or whatever, or teen, campus teens or teams or whatever it was. So in the 60s, 70s, they may have been more geared towards mm -hmm. teenagers and young adults. So mm -hmm. maybe then. Um, let's see, P35 flash the night with the young women in the staff center and somehow that was okay. But if I tried to date a girl that was actually close to me in age range, all hell would break loose, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> the 200 word limit is driving sorry <laughs> you have a lot to say <laughs> i need another beer <laughs> I, I need one <laughs> yes. Yes. Ah, hypocritical also that he would teach so much on courtship and marriage mm -hmm. and then he's not married that's the number one thing i got asked when i tell people about yes. ATI. right agreed yeah. michelle agreed yeah. Agreed. Like he had so much wisdom when he didn't have any experience whatsoever. <laughs> right. I mean, and then it's like, I think he, from what I remember of recovering grace, there was a story about a girl that he, or a woman, I should say that, um, he, it was much when he was much younger, mm -hmm. I think in his forties or fifties. Mm -hmm. And I think she was in her twenties or thirties. Mm -hmm. So it was still kind of, eh, but it was a little less, eh, um, but I think he wanted to marry her, but somehow the board found out and basically told him no or sent her home or something. I don't know. Like I'd have there to go back and read the story. That I think too. Um, and also that was a story. I'm going to rebuttal that a little. It was a story from okay. his own mouth. And so, um, I would think that, that probably that was a little twisted viewpoint. If the board said no, ah. there was probably more to it than what we were told right it was probably an yeah. inappropriate relationship that the board squashed because no it's not gonna happen or yep. the parents were like uh no yeah <laughs> so um let's see um didn't it start as institute and in basic youth conflicts it did. um yeah so it was yeah before that it was campus teams which was directed more towards the college age group. So I was um, reading up a little bit about it um, when we were doing the crime podcast. And um, I believe it was early sixties that he like made the decision to do this, like the, to start this whole thing because, and I'm like, I'm trying to think like it was right after the whole poodle skirts 50s you know elvis was you know rock music was starting to like really you know come alive and um you know so i'm just trying to i'm trying to think of like what his mindset was and what era he was you know responding to that he thought that people needed 
so much more Jesus. And it was like, cause I, I kind of thought like it was in a response to the sixties and, you know, Woodstock and free mm-hmm. love and, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. But it kind of, I guess, started right before that movement. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I, it just, it's just weird. Um, Darnell says, thanks. Yes, I'm a bit older than y'all. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've all come through our, our lives in, in different times, but, you know, our experience in IVLP ATI is very, very similar, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I've heard. I think that stories. was the promise protection for the parents that came into it in the eighties. They came mm-hmm. out of the sixties. And I think that that was the promise protection. At least that's what my take was from my parents anyway. What, Cause I've talked to her about how I felt like, you know, I, I saw a documentary on, on the decades and what was happening in those decades. And that it helped me realize where she, her background that she was coming from and that she was, she was just motivated to keep us safe. And she kind of agreed with me there as far as, um, she was just trying to keep us safe from the dangers that were being touted by the church. And, and this seemed to be, it promised safety. Yeah. So that by step process. Right. And so like, I guess that was kind of like the generation that kind of made this take off was, um, the, the boomers, my, my parents are boomers. Um, so, you know, they, they were teenagers or young adults, um, in the sixties and so, um, or no, they were, would have been young in the sixties. And so they went through the seventies. Yeah. yeah. So, um, my parents graduated at the end of the sixties. So they're, uh, oh, okay. They're, they're a little bit older. Okay. Yeah. My, my parents were parents young. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, let's see. Darnell, have you read the book, A Matter of Basic Principles? I know the story is in there. I haven't finished it. It was rather triggering. So what, uh, Michelle, um, what is the Matter of Basic Principles? I haven't heard of that one. Please share with us. I know the title. I haven't ever read it. Mm-mm. So P35 says, I feel bad because I do have a real name and I remember Mercy and Miss Evie. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be strange, but anonymity is important to me. So I, Oh, don't worry about it. Anonymous is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially having, you know, been in the legal department, I'm sure, you know, (laughs) a lot of the upper, upper echelon and, um, you know, Mr. Gothard is not, um, above reaching out and causing trouble mm-hmm. and trying to make your life miserable as he did with the girls who or the women I should say. Um so yes, who, please do be careful. Yeah. So we absolutely, absolutely, if you do not want to be known um publicly, we absolutely have no problem with that. And if there is anybody out there who wants to share their story, but wants to stay anonymous. We are also um, open to facilitating a way for you to do that. Um, I'm not the greatest tech person, but my husband is an audiophile. So, and he likes all that, you know, sound (laughs) engineering stuff. So, you know, I could even try and, you know, get something to mask your voice and do like a whole big production. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
we'll figure it out. We got skills. <laughs> yeah. And you know, with, with StreamYard, I don't have to put you on the, um, the screen. So, um, if you wanted to be anonymous, you could stay anonymous. So, um, Michelle says a matter of basic principles, Bill Gothard and the Christian life book by Don Vinoy, uh, Joy Vinoy and Ron Hensel. So is it like an exposition of his, like exposing it as a, um, there's one out there that exposes everything, talks about some about his brother and um, the scandal with his brother and some scandals with him early on. Um, but I don't know if it's that one. Uh, I had a friend of mine that told me to read it after I got out. Because I was telling her stories and she's like, oh my goodness, you need to read this and know the background on because this is sounds right in line with what this other book said. Uh, P35, he has personal friends who were a part of the lawsuit against BG. So frustrating. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It was very, very bad. Um, Yeah. Um, I follow a couple of them um, on Facebook. I know like Thriving Forward is one of um, them. She shared her whole entire story not too long ago on her Facebook. And oh my God, it just... Oh, it was so heart wrenching to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, and then Sarah McDougal, is that her last name? I think I, I have to look. Um, she, um, she is a cancer survivor as well. Um, and she was. If I'm getting my stories correct, I do believe, believe she was one of the women who was groomed. Sarah McDougal. Yeah, she's also somebody that I follow. And um, she has some really great stuff. And she has um, some support organizations. I think she just started. She's, um, let's see, uh, Wilderness to Wild is her um, organization. I don't know if she's a nonprofit or if it's a um business i have no idea um and then i think trauma mamas or something like that is another one that she just recently started um for you know being a parent after trauma because it's mm-hmm. hard being a parent after trauma mm-hmm. so um hard not to pass on that trauma yeah it's, it really is and and that's kind of one of the things we were looking at doing for season two is talking about the different forms of abuse mm-hmm. um what they are defining them um checklist of things that you know are associated with these different abuses um and so kind of just trying to pick a theme yeah <laughs> Yeah. And we're not all over the place next yeah. season. There's a little bit about mental health, which goes into uh, the yeah. abuse, you know, category. They all kind of meld together in one shape. Or, they're different, different facets of the same stone. Yeah. 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 So uh, Michelle says it was an expose. Like I said, I haven't finished it yet. It came out in 2002. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm. If I had time to read, <laughs> I might read it. I just... Ah, it's like with the with the stuff that I want to do for the podcast. It's like I feel like the only reading I'm going to be do is is going to be cult reading. And <laughs> it's going to be really really difficult to like parse through it. So it's gonna I'm gonna have to like take my time. 
because like i think i was reading no i watched the first basic seminar video not too long ago oh twitchy oh my god it was so (laughs) triggering i like i think i had a panic attack that day i was like oh my gosh this is i'm gonna have to take these in small doses yeah so um, right size pieces (laughs) my dad made me promise to never read it oops Michelle, is your family still in ATI, IBLP? Um, Darnell, I am going to check out that book. Thanks. Absolutely. Um, The women really suffered from IBLP. That is my biggest regret from being involved with the ministry, quote unquote. If I had known what was really going on, I can only hope I would have kicked some ass. We kind of shared about that in one of our in our headquarters video mm-hmm. about had i known mm-hmm. what i known today yeah i you know it's like i always it always bothered me about that housemate that would go get counseling or mm-hmm. the two that would go counseling mm-hmm. and it's like should i have said something you know and it's like well the minute i said something i would have been kicked out because i wasn't really wanted anyway yeah. so they really didn't want me there anyway, and they begrudgingly let me come, so <laughs> it wouldn't have lasted long. And and my thought was that if I had, I always think, well, if I had known, maybe I could have done something about it. But the problem is, is being so deep in that I wouldn't have known to do anything about it, or I wouldn't have known how to do anything about it. Like, I would have been squashed pretty quick. I mean, it's easy to say, now I know what to do about it. Now I could have st- stood up for them. But at that moment in time, I did not have enough knowledge to have been able to stand up for anyone but i i always grieve that i couldn't have done more to protect them yeah and and my grief i think is more along the lines of not being able to get closer to them yeah and talk to them about it Mm -hmm. and be like this is something you should be careful about like yeah and maybe protect is the wrong word maybe support or or advise or been there you know something like that right as basically Mm -hmm. you know like just be there in case they needed to share anything exactly a safe person i i wish i could have gotten closer to them to be a safe person i think i was but i wasn't there long enough to really for them to confide into me you know something as deep and personal if if anything Mm -hmm. was going on and i'm not saying anything did it's just a suspicion it was it was icky and gross even if nothing happened that he had them in there all the time talking to them about god knows what so um the young men like me were so deceived i wish i had realized what was happening hindsight is 2020 though we were all grouped at the at the at that time we all we all didn't know what was happening and we didn't know what to do about it and it takes years of healing to be able to look at back and say, wow, that was so bad. But at the time you're just too deep in. And you know, when you're thinking that you're doing something for God and you love God and you want to please God, and you think that this is all, you know, like wrapped up into this great work that is going to save hundreds of thousands of people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be, your family, when you, you know, when you're a young adult, when you start having a family, you're going to save your family from all of the trauma and trouble that everyone before you has experienced. And so it's this, 
whole like setup for you to really just not see it for so long. Like it's just, it's almost like they help put blinders on you and, and they keep you there because you're not supposed to listen to rock music. You're not supposed to watch TV, you know, like everything that was approved was just reiterating what they taught and was just more of the same teachings or was supported by it because it was allowed. So it was like your world was so closed off. And, oh, there's another thing that got me is the whole isolation versus insulation, that whole teaching. And I remember when I was at headquarters there, I think either him or one of the other department heads had talked about that. And it was like, they always like, well, we don't, isolate you from the world we insulate you from the world but it's all isolation because you're not supposed to be unequally yoked with unbelievers you're not supposed to go out into the world and be of the world and so and like when there's people that are doing things that are evil you're not supposed to partake so you distance yourself from them so you have no opposing views coming in yeah you know nothing to check no check and balance yeah so um, I think we're going to go ahead and end with this. Um, Michelle says, my family is not in it anymore. Exactly. We technically left in 2004, I think. Sadly, I think my parents still subscribe to a lot of the teachings, but few of my siblings call it a call. But few of my siblings call it a cult now. Um, yeah, it's a process. I mean, it took us, I think my brother started, in probably early 2000s i mean probably right around the time i got back from headquarters 2003 4 5 mm-hmm. um kind of bucking the system and then i finally left in 2014 15ish and my parents and around that time left iblp ati thing but we were involved in a in fundamental churches mm-hmm. and so it was basically like I, I was talking to Marcy. I was like, it's like Kool-Aid. It's just the same thing, different flavor. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I think, you I know, 2000, 2003, 2004, somewhere around there, 2003, I think. And family didn't get out of it until I actually don't know what year they actually left, but I would say it was probably about by 2006, maybe 2007. Would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, and my father just left his fundamental church a couple months ago. So, you know, um, yeah. I mean, so you're talking almost 20 years Mm -hmm. from, you know, the start of one family member Mm -hmm. bucking the system to the last person, the last holdout into the fundamental beliefs going, Oh, this is legalism. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. We still have some holdouts with the fundamental beliefs. Mom and dad still have that very strongly. And still yeah. a lot of the thought processes too. Less than there were. They're, getting, they're better. Yeah. Better, but. Yeah, I think the longer. Sometimes. Sometimes the longer that you're in it, the harder it is to come out. And also, I think it's when you're an adult and you've come in as an adult, it's harder to see the manipulation because mm-hmm. you can filter some of it out. 
whereas children aren't able to filter it out and reason it reason things yeah because it was just so heavily put on them so i think we're gonna go ahead and end this for tonight i know marcy has a big day ahead tomorrow she needs to get some rest and i am tired as well and i have uh, a full day tomorrow as well so we want to just thank you so much for joining us today for our ama and we hope to kick off season two next month sometime with um another live uh we will keep Mm -hmm. you posted so make sure that you follow um all of the social media things so you get notified when we're going to come back for season two yes (laughs) all right guys y'all um y'all stay awesome and all that kind of stuff and um don't forget to join the rebellion (laughs) bye